Welcome to the Grace of Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence to encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. You can learn more about us at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. Well, hello and welcome back to the Extended Cut. With me, as always, is Pastor Chris Zahner. We're out here, as usual, diving a little deeper into Grace City Eugene's Sunday sermons. Uh, This week, we're going to be taking a peek at Pastor Chris's sermon from this last weekend from our Miracles Sermon Series, the conclusion of that series, titled, Do You Believe? You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are probably listening or viewing this audio or video podcast. So please go do that before you go any further. I want to share about a few upcoming things happening at Grace City. Uh, These are more kind of save the dates. We'll have more information and uh, registration processes coming to you soon. April 7th through the 9th is Easter weekend. Can you believe Easter is like a month away? I do believe. You do believe? Yes. Yes. Good. That's the whole point of this sermon today. So, <laughs> and uh, we're super excited. We're gonna have a really fun weekend. A Good Friday service. We're gonna have a family egg hunt. We're gonna have a Grace City seventh birthday party. As many of you know, often um, our birthday anniversary kind of rolls through um, on Easter weekend, and so we're excited to get to celebrate that on Saturday. Well, on the ninth Easter Sunday, we're gonna get together and have a great big worship service. Um, Additionally, we've got things coming up. A women's retreat, April 21st through 23rd. Our men's weekend is April 19th through the, or May 19th through the 21st. Um, There's going to be a lot of really great things. Social events are going to be coming up soon. So keep an eye out on your uh, text threads for more information on those if you're plugging into our community. Um, But uh, a lot of great things happening at Grace City Eugene right now. It's a good time to be plugged in. Amen. It's a good time. It's a good time. Well, Pastor Chris, let's consider your sermon from this past week, Miracles Do You Believe? Let's start with a little bit of a summary recap. Yes, it was the shortest amount of scripture we've ever read on a Sunday. Oh, yes. We were in John chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 46, and the the narrative of this story actually goes through 53, but we summarized that last little part. um, This is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And what we talked about basically is there's three groups of people that interact with Jesus throughout this, this narrative here. One is the disciples. One is the, the sisters, Martha and Mary, and then the Jews. And we looked at how each of them engaged with him and how we can see ourselves in those groups of people. So for instance, like the disciples were fearful about returning to Judea, the dangers that they thought that presented, um, they were confused about how, like, Jesus was delaying this visit to Lazarus. He was saying he was sleeping, but then he's like, no, actually, he's dead because they thought it just meant he was mm-hmm. taking a rest. And he's like, no, that's not what I meant by that. Um, and how we um, have most likely experienced fear and confusion related to following Jesus or while following Jesus. Uh, but in the midst of that, he revealed his purpose to the disciples when he says, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Mm-hmm. And, he was talking about in what he was about to do, that, it, that they would believe because of that. And then with the sisters, you know, they were disappointed and, and upset. And each of them, they said, Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. And 
um, just the reality that we can often get upset <clears throat> with Jesus for not stopping something that um, has happened or is happening and that we can feel those things and that's okay. Mm. <laughs> it's just, where do we land after that? Sure. Um, because they were upset, they were disappointed, but then came back to say, but even now, God, I know that anything you are Jesus, anything you ask of God, he'll do. Yeah. And so the, the discouragement, the frustration was followed by faith and the fact that they did believe that he was still in control and could do something. Um, and we kind of highlighted this fact that God's delays are not necessarily denials and, um, hopefully I love that, that point. inform how we, um, how we engage with him. And then finally the Jews, there was this mixed crowd of Jews there and some, um, believed because of what they saw. And then some turned around and went and tattled to the Pharisees in mm -hmm. which they had a, um, a meeting and they decided that they were going to, um, kill Jesus. Yeah. And, so that this resurrection power of Jesus actually is the dividing line between those who believe and those who don't. Like so often we see his power and his work being the dividing line. And so um, we then looked at how Jesus invited people into this process. He didn't just show up, know where to go, know what to do, snap his fingers and things happen. But he invited them into taking, leading him to where Lazarus's tomb was. He said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And they led him to that place. They, He told them to take away the stone, even though they had some um, challenges with that because of the scent and the odor that would have been there, the religious rituals of dealing with the dead, and even the might and physical um, challenge that it would have been for even a group of people to remove a huge stone from the opening of a cave. And... Um, <clears throat> talked about it, it takes a community of followers of Jesus doing hard and heavy things to see his resurrection power mm. displayed. And then finally Lazarus comes out and then Jesus is like, yo, go unbind him. Like he was still covered in cloths and, and all these things. His eyes were covered. And what does it look like for us as a community, a, a Jesus loving, following community to unbind people, to set them free, to open their eyes. And we talked about the context of discipleship as somebody is re experiences resurrection life. Maybe their soul is resurrected. They get new life in Jesus, but they, we still got to unbind them. We got to help them see, we got to help lead them into what uh, God has for them. Hmm. And so, you know, we just kind of wrapped up with these, these three questions. How and where is Jesus asking you to bring him into dead situations? How and where is Jesus asking you to do hard and heavy things to participate in his mission? And finally, how and where is Jesus asking you to care and concern for people who are in dead and in desperate need? Um, if you were to summarize all three of those, where is Jesus calling you to minister resurrection life to mm. others? And, um, you know, as, as we saw in the scripture, like he says, do you believe? Do you, do you believe I can do this? Do you believe that I am who I say I am? And if we believe he is who he says he is, then these things should be questions we're asking ourselves yeah. on the regular. No, I, it was a great message. And I, I think that that it is so, you know, because there's so many points and there's so many things to unpack in 46 verses. But I do think it is so accurately summarized in that question of do you believe? Because belief dictates like our actions and our response. Yeah, uh, we will live based off what we know or perceive to be true about a certain reality. And, um, yeah. and, and so that, that is threaded all throughout this storyline on through all the points and all the levels. And 
um, that just that that level of belief is is so powerful because that's going to be the very first step of us actually accomplishing or seeing this uh, this resurrection power demonstrated in our lives. Yeah, if you believe that everything is up to you and your talents and gifts in any given situation, say outreach, you're probably going to withhold and yeah. withdraw a little because that seems really daunting. If you believe that God is going to work through you and He's even got grace and power to give you words in situations in which he places you, then you're a little excited about taking those steps because yeah. you know it's going to be a reflection of his power and his mercy. And so that is a very good point. Like what you believe dictates your actions. It's what leads you, mm. right? Oh, that's great. Well, uh, let's jump into some of our questions that we ask each week. Um, what was most difficult for you in putting together a 46 verse uh message here yeah i preached a minute of verse so that was good um i i don't know if there's just one answer for this one this was the hardest one for me to put together out of the whole series and mainly because um like my passion to be being true to scripture and bringing out all that it has there yet reading these 46 verses and mm. only getting one sermon out of it. Yeah. It was a challenge because there's, there's a few others in there and uh, that we'll save those for later questions, but there's just so much in this and trying to find the, th like preach the thread that I believe I'm supposed to be preached that, that runs through it, but not like go off track at all. Cause all it takes is, making one statement off track and all of a sudden I'm adding 20 minutes just to unpack oh, yeah. what I just said. And so the calculated nature, which made that I had to have to, to go through it and the discipline to not veer off course, um, actually made it feel really disjointed at times because in my head, there's something else there, but I wasn't building into the sermon. And so the kind of acrobatics of no, don't go there. And like, Flee temptation. Don't, yeah. don't talk about that. It was was really challenging, and so um, in in communicating this message, I found my like my headspace to be like uh, fighting yeah. the other things that were there for my study and what God was teaching me, and not not going there. I, that, I'm not trying to say that I'm like you know schizophrenic or something. It's just the reality that our brains process like at least three times as much as what can sure. come out of our mouth, and so there's all of this happening and um and then discerning like okay god is that you telling me to go there or is that just because i thought it was cool i'm wanting to go there anymore right. because i really try to be faithful to like allowing god to shake things up in the moment if uh, if the holy spirit's leading me somewhere and so i got done i was like oh yeah <laughs> plus leading worship at the beginning on top of it up i was i was it's a tired. tall order it was it's, it's a tall enough. order yeah no it's it's tough, and I think you know that's where the difference between just a good Bible study and a good sermon. Um, you know, they're not the same. A Bible study, we can sit and take our time to to lead through this dynamic and this aspect, but a sermon is very intentionally like I'm. We're trying to teach. We're trying to convey something that is relevant and uh, needs to be uh, applied in the life of a believer and. So there's going to be different principles that come out of a, a deep Bible study from a passage versus what comes out of a sermon. And when you have 46 verses to choose from, that's uh, difficult to discern. Yes. Yeah. Yes, but praise God. I think it all worked out. So. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> uh, well, on the other hand, what brought you joy as you put together the message this week? Hmm. 
That one's a little tougher. Um, my knee-jerk reaction is like when I finished it, um, just because it's like, okay, I don't have to like continue to process sure. or pray through like, ah, is this, is this right? Am I doing this, this right? Um, but I think just the, I've, I'm really enjoying, or what I really enjoyed about this series, we'll say, is the, the ability to dig into um, the folks involved sure. and maybe their headspace, their response, their reaction, and how we actually um, are more like them than we'd care to admit. Yeah. And so um, it's been a joy that this series, at least the way we preached through it and felt led to preach through it, really begged us to um, try to step in the the footprints of, if you will, of the folks that were in this, in this space and time. And so, um, it helped give me a lot of compassion, um, in places where I'd normally be like, what's your problem? Yeah. It helped, um, make Jesus way more human when I sit there and I say, wow, okay, Jesus wept. Okay. What does that, what does that look like in the, in the original language? It's not like a tear ran down his cheek, like on some Hollywood movie, right? right? It's like, snot bubbles tears yeah. like the, there's a deeply grieved nature to that word in the original language and when it says that jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled sorry i'm going to the next question yeah, that's bit, great but um the god of the universe in human form was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled and then you have to ask yourself what does it take for God to be greatly troubled. What things greatly trouble him? What was it about this that greatly troubled him? Because it, it comes right after Mary's basically scolding him. Right. right. Like, Lord, if you'd have been there, my brother wouldn't have died. And then he saw her weeping. So is he offended and that's why he's troubled? Does seeing other people cry make him troubled? Or is it that he hates death and his mission is to come eradicate that eventually, or at least start this process, this age of death being overcome? Yeah. And like he so much of his mission, his purpose, and what he's there for is anti-death, yeah. sickness, pain, hurting that this is just an instance of him being deeply moved and troubled because he has come face to face with someone that he knows and cares about um, that has been impacted by this. And, and I don't know, I'm, I'm leaning towards what I just said is a little more of what he was experiencing, but we'll ask him someday. Um, but those things and allowing myself to get into the emotion and humanity of the scripture was very and continues to be very rewarding. And that's why I continue to try to urge people to read it that way as, mm -hmm. we're, as we're preaching. I know you did too. And so, yeah, I yeah. think that's a, you know, important principle throughout most of our life. Anytime you slow down and you choose to observe a, a room a little bit more, you start to notice things you didn't see before. Um, you know, you, you could have walked through an environment 50 to 100 times, but because you just always did it so quick, you mm -hmm. never noticed the stain on the carpet or this flaw in the, you know, the siding on the house or, or these different kinds of things. But when you slow down and you start to pay attention to those details, all of a sudden you're kind of like, oh, wait, no, there's a lot more going on here than just this quick moment that I could just usher by. And um, this was just another week of seeing the the beauty and depth of the scriptures when you choose to just slow down a little yeah. bit and observe it. Absolutely. Well, you got us started there. Um, but uh, what other kinds of 
thoughts or ideas from this kind of stood out to you that um, worth worth noting or unpacking? Yeah, how much time do we have? You know, about 14 minutes. About 14 minutes. Um, which ones should I pick? Can we just talk about Mary and Martha a little bit? Mm. And what we usually preach about them. And, you know, Martha was the busybody and Mary was the one full of faith that just came to be present with Jesus. That's what we most know them for. Right. And as Jesus, as the scriptures bring them into the story, like Mary doesn't even get mentioned right. by name. Right. It's, um, <clears throat> oh no, he says the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And then later it says like three verses later, Jesus loved Martha and her sister yeah. and Lazarus. And then we see like Martha being the one that is more initiating. And then Mary comes later and you just wonder, like, I just wonder, is this like, if we draw this line between these situations, are we seeing growth? Mm. Because probably both of them had a little growing to do. And like, we see this flip flop of, of spots. Is it just cause it's a, a different thing? Like, I don't know. It's just, it, it begs these, these questions, right. And these, these sisters and how they're, they're interacting and to, to boldly scold Jesus basically yeah. out of their frustration. Like that relationship and the interplay between Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus just makes me want to like, okay, even if there's like non-scripture historical like accounts of this relationship, I just want to know more about yeah. the relationship um, because there's there's such dynamic things mm. happening there. And then you go forward and you see that when Mary finally did come, because Martha told her the teacher was there, and the Jews that were there with her followed because they thought she was going to weep at the tomb. And it's like, okay the unnamed Jews. So we're attributing this to a cultural thing very specifically, right? Like, why is it just the Jews? It's not her family. It's not friends. It's not loved ones of Lazarus. It's like the Jews that had come to, to mourn and weep, basically, um, consoling her, it says. And when you dig, you learn that in the Jewish culture at this point in time, at least, that mourning and wailing was an occupation mm. that like this idea of people coming to to mourn and grieve and wail with you was something that like you would arrange through your local synagogue leader and it would be it was like a, a profession where people just did that in their professional wailers and so could there have also been family member there sure but when you look at what kind of sacraments cultural sacraments surrounded a death and what would have been going on there? It's like, man, so some of these people were just professional Jewish whalers mm. that then came and saw what Jesus did. Because I read that some people believed and some people basically went and tattled. And I'm like, who are these people that they would go tattle? And then when you, you look at like, well, their occupation, their well-being is wrapped up in Jewish cultural tradition. Mm. It's not just family and friends that are obviously going to be like, heck yeah, he's back. Look at Jesus go. It's like our livelihood is suddenly threatened right. by this countercultural person that is this Messiah that is turning our religious order upside down. And so just those kind of threads as you go through it too are, are really compelling. And then I don't think we need to spend too much time on it, but the fact that like this is right before Jesus is going to get like murdered yeah. and then resurrect from a tomb. Okay, and 
the foreshadowing of what is to come for Jesus that's wrapped up in this. And that, you know, well, why did Jesus wait two days? I don't know. Why did he wait two days after he was murdered, too? Like, there's right. there's all these correlations. That, that's just a whole nother. That's like an Easter sermon, right? Like, no. I think I've preached that on an Easter. Mm. And so there's so much stuff in there um, that is just really interesting. And it's fun to dig into the the historical attributes of it to see what might actually be happening in the, the human interplay here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Chance to talk. No, it's great. <laughs> That's really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think about, um, the note of, of the fact that like, if you read the old Testament, we don't there it's, it's a bit more, I say a bit, it's a lot more ambiguous about death and, um, the resurrection and about an afterlife and um, death was a bit more grieved in the Old Testament because there was less prophetic knowledge on on what the future restoration looked like. And thank the Lord we live in the age where we get to know a little bit. We've got a vision of what the new heavens and the new earth will look like. Um, but that's just another layer I even think of in in the difficulty of dealing with death in this scenario is you have a theology that is not all that concerned with trying to figure out what an afterlife looks like. And they were a bit comfortable with a bit of ambiguity and not a whole lot of answers on it. And that would be pretty difficult to reconcile with when you lose a loved one, especially when it's maybe well ahead of time, um, that it would be really challenging in these situations. And, and that just makes me think of how much more real and relevant that is to our day and age when we face tragedies all the time that we're like, can't believe this happened and, and all this. And, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting dynamics packed within these, uh, 46 verses. I was hoping you were going to use the illustration, um, at our men's weekend. We tried to move this big old rock, uh, last year off a path. And I mean, probably, I didn't want to scare everyone out of coming to this. Year that's fair. But you know, I felt like it was pretty much, we just were trying to help with the landscaping. There was a big rock on a path that we were trying to get out of the way. Boulder. So it was a boulder. It, yeah. I think you'd call it a boulder mm. that uh, we were trying to get out of the way. So it was more accessible for some of the vehicles and different things out there on the property. And we were just trying to help them move it. And, uh, I mean, we had a lot, of, I mean, we probably had 15 to 18 dudes and physics wrapped around. Yeah. A lot of physics. We had some smart dudes out there trying to figure this thing out. And, uh, it, I mean, we couldn't get it all the way off the road. We got it a good ways that we, we were able to really get past it. We budged it. But I mean, you think about a rock that's covering a tomb. And and, and so your point in the sermon about I'm going to need two offensive linemen for this. I was two like, whole line, offensive yeah. line. Yeah. I was like, no, nah, I, I get this. Yeah, because we tried to move that rock once. And uh, that is that is a tough task. Yes, and it's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> it was just such a cool parallel to the significance and need for community. Oh, that's great. Hmm. Anything else you want to share just as we wrap up this and um, really the Miracles Sermon Series as well? Anything else you want to share? Hmm. Um, Even if you don't, just send us home. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just trying to put it into words I, i'll put like a downloading bar i think on the, there you go on the in the message i briefly talked about the 12 hours in the day the light and the dark thing right 
Yeah. Okay. Yep. You're like, I don't know. That's great. Um, I just think like different regions of the world have a different, like that's the heat of the day, right? Like that's the hottest point of the day. And um, I just think where we're at in the United States right now, like maybe the heat of the day is a little more in the afternoon, but like that's the time we're in right now. Like the light of, of God and of new life in him is shining with the most intensity that I've seen in my lifetime. Like things are heating up. This message of resurrection life and the fact that Jesus is doing a work here and now, it's at a climactic point where we can't just sit and observe. Yeah. I don't believe there is room for observation in what God is doing in the establishing of the kingdom of heaven right now. Yeah, And so... When we read this and when we preach through this and when we have conversations and when we see little pockets of outpouring breaking out all around our world, I pray that it spurs us into action. Not because we're like, I need to be the person that's there because I got the best voice, the most prophetic voice into that moment, but because I know God's doing something and there is no time to just sit back and see what might happen and hedge our bets until it's evident, until I see Jesus coming down. Like, no, like... It's time. There's there's no room for hedging our bets or playing bees or observation. Like God is moving and he wants to reach generations and he wants to use you and I to do it. And so this isn't a, you know, sit back and see moment. This is like a, I believe, send me, I'll go and let's see what God will do. Amen. There you go. Amen. That's a great place to wrap this all up. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Extended Cut. Pray that it blessed you. Uh, feel free to share it with someone. Uh, go leave a like, a comment, depending on whatever platform you're on. That stuff helps just as we try to get the word out about uh, different resources our, our church is turning out here. So hope that you have a great week and we'll see you soon.